0: Mel and Kel, and this is It's Called Culture. Ever heard of it? Today we are finally getting around to an episode that we researched and prepared for like four months ago. We had some guest opportunities pop up at that time, and this episode was held until our first available opportunity to record it, which is now. I prepared the most detailed notes for this four months ago, so detailed that I was so confident I didn't need to read them before hopping on today. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to be just as surprised as you with what comes out of my mouth today. We're going to see if this strategy pays off.
1: You know, I, I did. I skimmed through my notes and I added it a little bit more and I was like, I don't know what. what I had like four months ago I was like I can't just wing it
0: (laughs) today's topic is sausage king murders and yes that's plural we're going to cover three entirely separate incidents involving sausage kings and murder I don't usually have an episode title picked out in advance of recording but I already know this one's going to be called a shitty studio (laughs)
1: Shitties from hell, if you didn't
0: understand that. The (laughs) devil's shitties. Here's a preview of what we've got for you. A fourth-generation Portuguese-American sausage king in California, a German immigrant sausage king in Chicago, and a Russian sausage king near Moscow. Plot twist. One of them is a victim and not a perpetrator. Either way, Kelly, if you ever see a man with the word Sausage King in his profile <laughs> on Bumble, you run. You run.
1: Far away. Far and fast. Damn, these guys don't have the best track record.
0: <laughs> You're either going to kill or be killed. So something's going to happen.
1: But what they all have in common is sausage. And <laughs> a successful sausage business, somewhat.
0: <laughs> I didn't see the books, but they've all been coined Sausage King in one way or another. Who coined that? Like, did they coin it themselves, though? One of them made it their, like, America online screen name. (laughs) (laughs) I I wish I were joking. I wish I were joking. This is going to be fun. We're going to start with the Portuguese one, of course.
1: Portuguese fourth generation. You would think, yay, he could be proud, but, you know, it's never the case. <laughs> so his name is Stuart Charles Alexander. He was an American businessman, political candidate, and, you guessed it, murderer. Alexander was the owner of the Santos Linguisa factory in San Leandro, California. In 2004, Alexander was convicted of the murders of three state and USDA meat compliance officials in 2000. La well, was a family business which was founded by Alexander's aunt, Pia Santos, which, by the way, I think that name is beautiful,
0: Pia. So cute.
1: Like Mama Pia. <laughs> like, like, I love that name. His father owned the factory, and then after the father's death, inherited the Santos factory and proclaimed himself the Sausage King. He proclaimed himself. Just keep that in mind. Alexander's father, Tweety, was well-known in the local and national business circles as a successful businessman and was recognized for making really good lingvisa like sausages. That's always a plus, right, guys?
0: Who doesn't love Sharice?
1: He taught the young Alexander, his son, the business for many years, but Tweedy, the father, had a little faith that Stuart could run the company. He was verbally abusive to Stuart, often telling him that he would never amount to anything.
0: As a Portuguese dad does. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Portuguese dads and
1: sons don't mix well. <laughs> According to Alexander's mother, who divorced Tweety when Alexander was young, I think about like 10 or 11, I think I read in another article, Tweety could at times be very demanding with his son and yell at him all the time. The son, Alexander, was described by some people who knew him closely to have a short fuse and to be at times combative.
0: It's so bad because everything I've read about his personality, I'm like, that's every Portuguese man I've ever known. (laughs)
1: I know, I know. It's sad. But it's like, I don't want to compare him to Portuguese people. No. <laughs> One example was Alexander was charged with beating his elderly neighbor after an argument in 1996. When he was younger, he torched a truck with a child in the car or something like that. I think the kid was all right. So there's
0: a couple of different stories. So a lot of that came out in the courtroom Yeah. afterwards when they were just trying to like get the backstory. Every shady thing he ever did his entire life was on display in the courtroom.
1: When you're running for an election, they do that, too. Like, if you run for, like, a mayor or whatever.
0: This guy did run for mayor, and they yeah, did pull on. his dirty laundry,
1: but <laughs> that's another story. It was also alleged by those who were close to him that Alexander would often keep and show off, e- show off emails and letters from the meet compliance officers who he felt were harassing him. These officers were just doing their job. But he felt that was the big. That's the big thing about this is he felt that they were harassing him, right? That these people were stopping from him doing his job. So keep that in mind. He felt har- harassed. So because of the so-called harassment from the state and inspection officers, Alexander made a bid for San Leandro mayoral office in 1998. <laughs>
0: Like, he just thought that was going to solve all his problems with the regulators. Like, I'm just going to run for mayor, and these regulators are going to leave my shitties alone.
1: <laughs> yep. But because he has hacked his elderly neighbor, his campaign <laughs> failed.
0: Right before we hit record, I was just reading about the elderly, the elderly neighbor attack. It was property that was owned by Alexander. But he had like just a mess of garbage and junk, you know, like those yards that you drive by that is just like they got like rotting cars in the front yard yeah, and all this yeah. junk piled up in lumber yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah,
1: it's like the American's yard. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so there was some kind of dispute there. Like, I don't know, like the town or the city or something told Alexander that he had to clean up his yard and all his garbage because it was a hazard and it was dangerous and I think the neighbor was somehow involved like I don't know if the neighbor had been the one to call the city on him or some shit or like the neighbor was just somehow was like get this eyesore out so the neighbor had gone on a trip to Alaska and when he got back he saw Alexander like cleaning up the junkyard right and he went up to his roof and took pictures like aerial photos down of him like cleaning up because he just wanted to like document yeah yeah make sure that he was doing what the city said he was supposed to do. Yep. This guy's like 75 years old and Alexander yeah. was how old at the time? Like probably like 30. So this neighbor comes down, Alexander comes to the knocking on the door and like starts a fight with the neighbor over the pictures that he took and like give me those pictures, delete those pictures, like whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, who knows. This was probably like <laughs> they were on film just to give you a sense of the time frame of when this was occurring. This was in 96 when that argument happened. Right. Like the neighbor was going to have to go to Brooks Pharmacy and (laughs) develop the film. And he he beat the shit out of him. Beat the shit out of this 75-year-old neighbor. Gave him a couple of haymakers right to the head. The neighbor immediately called the cops as soon as Alexander walked back to his house. And Alexander called the cops as soon as he got back to his house. And they both were on the phone with the cops being like, (laughs) Like, the, the 75-year-old was like, my neighbor just came over here and beat the shit out of me. And Alexander was like, my neighbor just came over here and beat the shit out of me. And like, they both have the same story to so the fucking cops. But only one of them had the bruises. <laughs> <laughs> and it was it was not the shittiest man. The worst thing is, he stole the camera, too. So, like, he beat the shit out of this guy. He stole the camera. That's the worst thing? Listen, no, okay, Listen. <laughs> The police later found the camera, smashed up, and the film was missing. And the the guy had all of his Alaska vacation pictures on there. And he only had two pictures of, like, the aerial oh. of the yard. He lost all his vacation pictures. Oh, uh, so sad. You never get those back. They're not in the cloud. No, not in 1996. <laughs> now I know a uh, dial-up world. Oh, so he got the crap beaten out of him and he lost his VK picks. So, this is just character development for this guy, the Sausage King. He was
1: basically not a good man. <laughs> okay, so a little bit of Alexander's personal life. Alexander began a romantic relationship with a woman named Eve Elder. She was a 33 year old insurance claims agent. So, over the course of the relationship with her, elder allegedly saw signs of resentment and potential violent streak in Alexander, especially when commenting about the inspectors. The couple concocted a series of short stories. They say it's a joke, but you know. <laughs> it's, I don't, it's not a joke, clearly. One titled, Sausage Sniffers Found Sauce. It painted a description of the inspectors drowning in vats of secret
0: sauce quote-unquote secret sauce he was not secretive no
1: he's not because he's got short stories written about it
0: (laughs) right it's not even like a private short story that like oh he wrote that and it was just like hiding in his home but like he was going around talking to like everybody he knew and anybody he would pass about how he wanted to shoot and kill these inspectors like or put him in the the vat of secret sauce (laughs) the secret sauce he would just comment to like his workers or to the people who worked at the plant. He'd be like, you know, I could just get rid of them and nobody would ever know. I could just put them in that vat over there.
1: So yeah, he did express to numerous numerous people
0: all the things he could
1: do to the inspectors, what he could get away with, how he hated them. He expressed a lot of anger towards them. So there is a lot of witnesses for that. So another former girlfriend of Stuart Alexander was Charlotte Knapp who had been seeing Alexander on and off up until the time of the murders. She would later testify during the murder trial. Alexander frequently used profanity to describe the inspector and would become confrontational with them or towards anyone else who he deemed as trespassers at his factory. He allegedly occasionally wielded a gun and kept several firearms in his office desk drawer. Over time, Alexander also began to cultivate a contentious relationship with the four inspectors who were regularly assigned to oversee his business operations in terms of cooking temperature, cleanliness, and other health concerns. So this is what drives me crazy. Alexander felt that the inspectors were harassing him unnecessarily and interfering with the way his sausage was best made and had had always been made by his family by demanding that his, lingui- his Linguisa be smoked at 140 degrees Fahrenheit, which was a state and USDA requirement. Alexander, who usually smoked the Linguisa at 110 degrees Fahrenheit, feared that the increased cooking temperatures would shrink the sausage, thereby reducing the price at which he could sell them. This motherfucker <laughs> was cooking his Charisse at 110 USDA requirement in state is 140 degrees Fahrenheit. To me, like, if you're cooking it at 110 degrees, is the Charisse even really freaking cooked? If it's supposed to be 140? Like, you're going to make people sick.
0: His argument is, we've always done it that way. We've been cooking right. Charisse like this for 79 years back in the old country. <laughs> you think we had a thermometer back then? Right. Yeah, I know. He said, nobody ever got sick. Leave me alone. Let me cook my He at 110. I feel like a good amount of people
1: maybe would have to get sick from eating the Sharice so that for them to know that it was like traced back to Sharice. Like how many things have I eaten that kind of made me sick? How do they, how could they narrow it down that it was this man's Sharice that would make people sick? But according
0: to him, no one got sick, but
1: he doesn't know that. Like he doesn't know. And if he knew, he wouldn't give a fuck. <laughs>
0: Violations included labeling uninspected meat as inspected. Mm -hmm. Homeboy was just walking through the factory with those inspection stickers and just being like, inspected, inspected. That's what drives me nuts because I think about
1: like, you know, you order a lot of food online now, everything's like online and obviously you're buying stuff from from the groceries, the groceries are getting it from a location and it's just, it's just wild that you hear about all these like recalls, even in like dog food, dog food's getting recalled for having like freaking like salmonella, all these other things. It's freaking tranquilizer. Like how is it tranquilizing being in dog food? It's all this stuff like people have way too much control of what we put in our bodies and we're just supposed to just trust. Yeah. But it's like where else are we supposed to get our food, I guess, right? Rolling in my King's Hall.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially post-pandemic, I feel like nobody gives a fuck about anything anymore. So like the workers at these factories are just like, eh, they're just letting shit slide. Hey, you got another roll of those inspection stickers? Boop, 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 boop. I'm just gonna slap those on. So that's what he was doing—just labeling things. And he had
1: a type of smoker that he used that was deemed outdated. So that was another thing he wasn't using, like a fret smoker, and he didn't need to get a new one. But he clearly, obviously, didn't want to spend the money on getting a new one. And I'm pretty sure this man wasn't doing horrible money-wise. His Mm, business—I think he filed bankruptcy
0: a couple times, but
1: yeah, but like. That was like, because he, yeah, because I'll talk about that a little bit. He wasn't great, but I think you could afford a smoker <laughs> for your business that you need. Cheaper than a murder defense attorney. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> On at least two occasions, the inspectors ordered the factory be shut down until Alexander complied. Only for Alexander to reopen it against state law. That so shut down, like, I think, believe twice, and he would reopen it again.
0: He was like cease and desisted by the USDA. And he was just like, yeah, no, we're going to keep making the shitties. He would take out
1: bank loans to reopen the factory, cause the once thriving, now illegally operated factory to lose more and more money.
0: Can we just go out on a limb here and say that the dad was right, that this guy should not have been running the Linguisa factory?
1: He knew his son wouldn't amount to anything.
0: He knew that this was not, he was not cut out for the job.
1: He knew his son would not amount to anything, but I bet he didn't think his son would be a
0: murderer. Facts.
1: (laughs) So during the time leading up to the murders, Alexander reopened the factory again against state law and had posted a sign at the front of the factory that read, get ready guys. To all our great customers, the USDA is coming into our plant, harassing my employees and me, making it impossible to make our great product. Gee, if all meat plants could be in business for 79 years without one complaint, the meat inspectors would not have jobs. Therefore, we're taking legal action against them.
0: Is that the kind of threat you want to have posted to your front door when you kill the, the compliance officers? I know. The prosecution doesn't even need to work hard. I
1: know. I was going to say, it doesn't even need to go to trial with the amount of evidence that they have. On Wednesday, June 21st, 2000, four inspectors arrived at the factory for an inspection and to cite Alexander for illegally operating in his factory. Jean Hillary, 56, and Tom Quachos, 52, were compliance officers from the U.S. Department of Agriculture. William Shalene, who was 57, and Earl Williams, who was 51, were health inspectors from the California Department of Food and Agriculture. Alexander was initially not present at the factory as he was out making a delivery. The inspectors were allowed inside by a factory worker. After Alexander returned to the factory some time later, he confronted the inspectors and ordered them to leave. The inspectors called the police for five fraction for them, while Alexander made a phone call. Of his own to the police, accusing the inspectors of trespass and demanding that they be removed. Both calls were treated as low priority. The inspectors decided that Willis would go outside and wait for the police to arrive, while the other three inspectors would remain inside the factory's lobby. Shortly after Willis stepped outside, Alexander went into his office, he retrieved one of his guns from the office drawer, re-entered the lobby, and opened fire on Hillary, Quadros, and Chalene. The guy outside heard the gunshots, immediately sprinted away from the factory. Alexander then exited the factory and chased after Willis, firing five shots in Willis' direction, but thankfully he missed. A video recording of Alexander chasing Willis down the street was captured by a nearby business. Willis, who was unharmed, managed to escape into a nearby bank. After Alexander's failed attempt to shoot Willis, he returned to the factory and emptied three more shots into the heads of Hillary, Quadros, and Chayleen to make sure that they were dead. Uh, the police soon arrived upon the scene after someone in the bank notified the police department. Upon their arrival, Alexander was standing in front of the factory, admitted to the murders, and ready to be taken into custody.
0: So clarify for me again the police phone calls. So the four
1: inspectors called the cops for like protection because they obviously they knew this guy was insane. So they called the cops for the cops to come to like to be with them. And he also called the cops. So the same situation with the neighbor. But the cops didn't take the phone call as anything serious. And it was again, like I think like, they said it was like low priority. So they never came. So the prosecution team introduced forensic evidence as well as security video from the inside the plant. It recorded the events from the time that the meat inspectors were waiting at the factory lobby for the police, who never came until the shooting of the inspectors at point blank range. So
0: they have the whole thing. So it's not like a who-done-it case. It wasn't like, did he do it? The case was definitely just to figure out. You know, was there premeditation involved? And I think death penalty was on the table. So like that all had to be sorted out.
1: Alexander pretty much sealed its fate because he had video systems installed in all the rooms in the factory.
0: Do you want to know why he had those videos installed? Yep. <laughs> his friend or ex-girlfriend or whatever it was, got called on as a witness in the trial. and. She was kind of, she was done with him. She obviously wasn't defending him or anything like that in any way, shape or form. She said she didn't like him anymore. She said one reason was that he videotaped the two of them one night while they had sex in his office and then showed the videotape to his friends. She said he had assured her that a a surveillance camera in his office wasn't working and she hadn't given her permission to tape their lovemaking or show the tape to anyone.
1: He is just trash.
0: She said that when she asked him about it, he said, "Quote: My parents never showed me any love." What the <laughs> fuck? That's calming though in a Portuguese <laughs> <laughs> household. I know.
1: His reason of recording her was because his parents didn't show him any love.
0: He's not checking out.
1: Make it can make sense, Snoop.
0: He obviously had those cameras for his own benefit if you will and then those same cameras are what took him down because the entire thing was recorded from start to finish those poor families i can't imagine having to be in that courtroom and literally watching it on film
1: these people were just doing their freaking jobs and this fucking guy was pissed he felt like he was being harassed which he wasn't these people were just doing their jobs it's really really sad so the defense attorneys began to prepare Alexander for at least an insanity plea, if not second-degree murder defense, in order to protect him from a possible death sentence if he were convicted. They introduced the harassing, quote-unquote harassing emails and official letters made by the inspectors in hopes to show that his act of murder was out of blind rage. Alexander, who had been held without bail since the time of the shootings, pleaded not guilty to first-degree murder charges. On October 19, 2004, Alexander was convicted of 3 counts of first-degree murder, making him eligible to receive death penalty. On December 14, 2004, a jury condemned Alexander to death by lethal injection. He was convicted of the murders and sentenced to death on February 15, 2005. While awaiting execution on California's death row, Alexander who had gains 80 pounds during the four years in custody until his stay of execution began to experience health problems. On Tuesday, December 27, 2005, Alexander was found dead in his prison cell. It was eventually determined that he had died of pulmonary embolism, Then the factory was eventually closed, and the factory premises have been vacant since 2010. The Federal Food Safety and Inspection Service has Helds memorial service in honor of the four inspectors. And, of course, the memory of the three who were slain in the gun attack. Earl Willis, he died in 2008 of cancer. The food inspector, Shailene, was a 57-year-old father with three children, said that he spoiled his daughters. The U.S. Department of Agriculture Clients Officer Hillary, who was 54, was a quintessential mom with three daughters. She volunteered in her hometown for decades devoting time to a children's swimming program. And client's officer Quadros was a 52-year-old man with a devoted son. Brother was his best friend. He was a Boston Red Sox fan, and he volunteered as a baseball coach. So I wanted to give a little something on them. So that is one of three of the Sausage
0: Kings. Okay. I have a couple of miscellaneous things before we get off this guy. Yep. Go for it, your face right now. Taking it all in. Well, you just did like such a nice like memorial tribute to the victims, Mm -hmm. and now I'm just going to go into telling everybody that by the time he was in court again, his appearance had changed a bunch because he gained eighty pounds, like very quickly once he was in custody. But he is a dead ringer for Mr. Tuttle from Say by the Bell. (laughs) Mr. Tuttle was the one he was like a music teacher there's like a scene where mr belding comes in he's like and that mr tuttle is how you principal and then mr tuttle replies like mocking him he's like and that mr tuttle is how you principal he does it's scary
1: how like how much he looks like mr tuttle like oh you just add a little mustache to mr tuttle and you got you got Stuart alexander
0: and then so as far as like the whole insanity defense it says psychologist Dale Watson testified that a battery of tests he administered to Alexander showed quote moderate brain impairment that could have affected his ability to act rationally his defense lawyer introduced scans showing what witnesses described as damage to his brain from a series of falls and accidents in his youth and from his time as an amateur boxer his mother said my son is very ill he had more than five concussions and he just lost his mind you can't even reason with him she said during an interview outside the courtroom i get that that's like a real thing the whole what is it called when like the football players get their cte or something From all the concussions. So that's what the mother is saying. But
1: I know, but my whole thing with that too is he like made threats prior. (laughs) So it's a little hard to I feel like to claim insanity when you have a history of harassing the officers.
0: So the woman that was his like ex-girlfriend that he had recorded without her consent, she in the courtroom on the stand said that he told her only two weeks before he killed the inspectors, that he could get away with killing somebody because all he would have to do was call famous defense attorney Johnny Cochran, who represented O.J. Simpson, and plead insanity.
1: Damn glove.
0: He did not actually use Johnny Cochran. (laughs) He confirmed he did (laughs) not use Johnny Cochran, but that was his thought process. Like, I'm just going to kill somebody. I'm going to just go fucking put him in a vat, and I'm going to get away with it because... I'm just going to call up Johnny Cochran. Right. My final thought before we get off of this guy is the other thing he was doing. So we talked about how he was not smoking it at the right temperature and how he was let- slapping inspection stickers and, you know, maybe he had an outdated smoker. But it also says he was improperly labeling his products USDA approved. And then selling them illegally on the interstate market. And like all I can picture is like some of that Sharice had to have made it to Faris. It had to. He's selling it illegally on the interstate market. So if you were a betting man and you had to guess where Sharice from California was going, what other states would be large consumers of Sharice? Exactly. Exactly. Crazy. All right, so we're getting into another Sausage King from Chicago. Now we're going back in time, a way back machine. So if there's anything I love, it's an immigration story. So in the mid-1800s, this dude named Adolf immigrates to the U.S. from Germany at 20 years old with $30 to his name.
1: Which in today's money... I think I did the conversion. You did. I, I don't know if it's right though, because you know I don't know math. Five hundred forty-six dollars
0: equivalent. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I don't know what you do with that, but <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> can't even rent a, an apartment with that. So for a month, so I, know. I, don't, I don't know. Like, I know he board a ship
1: to, like, to come here to the U.S., so could you even get on a ship for five hundred forty-six dollars
0: No. Probably not. Not now.
1: No. Nika.
0: So this guy's name's Adolf, and between this story and the next story, you're going to think I'm just using the most stereotypical names I can find, but I promise you these are their real names. Okay, so he takes up some odd jobs, he saves up $4,000, and he decides he's going to start his own sausage business red flag (laughs) immediate (laughs) immediate red flag he gets married has a couple kids his wife dies two months after his wife dies he marries his second wife louisa that's suspicious i'm sorry already right there he's married two months after his wife died Red flag. Red flag. That's suspicious. <laughs> that's
1: a red flag for me. <laughs> Anybody who
0: has more than one wife pass away. Yeah. That's suspicious. But anyway, so he, he marries his second wife, Louisa. He ends up having four more kids with this second wife. FYI, only three of his six kids lived past the age of two. So I know child mortality was probably higher back then than now right. but still something about that ratio just isn't sitting right with my soul suspicious his second wife goes missing he tells his kids she went to visit her sister and never came home it's always the husband and that's always what yeah. he says like there's a case in massachusetts right now that's very similar
1: the husband just got arrested today in charge we'll- with her murder, oh,
0: they walked him out in like shackles like a week ago.
1: Yeah, because I think he was like lying to cops, so he's getting charged with that.
0: Oh, oh, um.
1: popped up today that he was like, I guess officially charged.
0: It's Walsh, right? Was the last name? What's the woman's first name? Anna, Anna Walsh. So that's a crazy case if you want to go down that rabbit hole. But again, sketchy husband, sketchy Scott Peterson-ish vibes, right? Which actually. I think the Scott Peterson case was going on at the same time as the Sausage King murders, like across town or something.
1: Yeah, I, when I was researching, I saw that. That was happening.
0: The guy that we just talked about in California was happening at the same time as Scott yeah. Peterson. He tells his kids she went to visit her sister and never came home. That's suspicious. After a few days, the wife's brother reports her missing. So like he didn't even report her missing. He's just like she just never came home. All right. Adolf tells the police she ran away with another man. Another thing they like to say. Second FYI, he was one of 16 children. Just a fucking lot. I don't I don't think they all yeah. immigrated at the same time or anything, but he had a twin brother who died 2 years before his second wife went missing. Just FYI that's suspicious a lot of murder and death surrounding this man during investigation of his second wife's disappearance domestic violence history comes up his financial problems with the business come up and it is alleged that before his second wife went missing he has started courting a rich widow who he planned to marry so all this comes out during the investigation of this wife's disappearance that he's trying to get with another woman planning to marry her.
1: Fucking guys, man. When they like, they, they always kill their wives to be with their mistresses. Always.
0: <sighs> the first wife, obvious. I mean, I don't have details on what happened to the first wife, but like he obviously killed her too to be with the second wife, right? And then he killed the second wife to be with the third wife
1: yeah you would think right but back then how uncommon was it it's not it wasn't uncommon for like maybe a wife to die or like a husband to die because of like whatever sickness was going on back then so like i would maybe be like okay one wife one wife's sickness two wives if two wives die
0: murder (laughs) fool me once shame on you fool me twice shame on me Right, type of thing. On the night of her disappearance, she was seen entering the sausage factory with Adolf at ten thirty PM. I think you can guess where this might be going. He told the factory watchman to run an errand and take the rest of the night off. Yeah, for us The police came across bills that documented him having purchased arsenic and potash the day before the murder. The police deduced that he had killed his wife, boiled her in lye. I think the term I saw used elsewhere was dissolved, dissolved her in lye and disposed her remains by burning them in the factory furnace. When the police searched the furnace, they found burned scrap sausages and human remains such as bone fragments. They also retrieved two of the wife's rings with her initials engraved in them from one of the meat grinders.
1: But I thought she went to see her sister.
0: This man was still claiming his innocence. Look, this is all turning up in the investigation, and he is claiming his innocence. This went to trial. During his trial, he acted unconcerned and overly confident that he'd be found innocent. The arrogance of a man. I swear, the audacity the audacity of a man. It just never ceases to amaze me. The jury was unable to reach a unanimous verdict, resulting in a hung jury. The case was retried. He was found guilty and sentenced to life in prison. 18 months later, he was found dead in his cell due to fatty degenerative heart disease. I guess the sausage is going to get you either way. This was one of the first trials to be widely covered by the media and is credited with making murder trials a subject of general interest in the media. The factory is now residential condominiums. Oh my
1: God, can you imagine?
0: Because of course it is. Like, of course we commercialize that. <laughs> there was a legend that he ground her up and packaged her in the sausage that he sold. sausage sales took a huge hit after that but i don't think that the like police investigation or the evidence necessarily supported that claim but either way like it was widely known in chicago like people just stopped eating fucking sausage because they were like he ground her up and fucking sent her out in the sausage that we were all eating yeah and so either way it's believed that she haunted the factory and their home so, if anyone lives in those condos, let me know how Louisa is doing. Uh, oh,
1: man. I know it's
0: cliche, but I'm going to say it. You don't want to know how the sausage is made. <laughs> oh, that's what I had on the Sausage King of Chicago. A little different than. The first guy who his was just seriously like a rage uh, against the regulators and just kind of shooting them in cold blood out of a rage. This guy was like a chronic wife offer. Would just grind him up.
1: Imagine living in those condos. And just like
0: knowing the history of your condo. What's the feng shui situation in those in those apartments. It can't be good. And I just saw somebody on TikTok doing like this video about feng shui and like they would like overlay these like graphs and things on top of like your floor plan of your house. So you'd have like the floor plan of your house and then they would overlay like, okay, these quadrants or those like six squares and like wherever they fall, like the squares for health and this squares for love and the squares for money and oh. depending on like which rooms of your house intersected those squares like it meant something oh it, like there was a way to like interpret it all and and then they had this other thing that they overlaid these like lines that went across and like they could tell you the whole feng shui of your apartment or your house if you did that overlay on those condos it's like your bedroom used to be the meat grinder room Ooh, I know I'm sensing bad luck in love.
1: Do you think, like, Louisa is, like, walking around the condos, trying to find, like, her murderer husband? Is she looking for the Charisse?
0: Is she looking for her ring? for Louisa? I hope she's resting in peace. Resting in peace, haunting in peace, doing whatever she wants to do in peace. That's Right. So, So these have been, like, in the past. This last guy was like the way distant past. The first guy was early 2000s. This next one is current. It happened in 2020. This one's a a bit of a journey. It's a bit of a journey. It's a little bit of a twist on the Sausage Kings that you've come to know in this episode. There was a man in Russia. His name was Vladimir. This is why I said I did not make these names up. Okay, Adolf and Vladimir. Vladimir owned numerous meat processing factories and was known as the Sausage King. Much like watching true crime shows, the fact that I'm talking about him in past tense is your first clue. By now we know where there's meat processing, there's a body. Mm -hmm. This man was in his, quote, banya, B-A-N-Y-A, the Russian word for sauna. Was in his banya, his sauna. It sounds totally like Portuguese, right? Like I was in my, ba- my banya. Yeah. I had to know more. Just come along this rabbit hole with me. Okay, I'm here for it. About the banya, because I was like, I need to know. Slavic bathhouses resemble saunas with an inner steaming room and an outer changing room, a place where women gave birth and practiced rituals. Imagine giving birth in a sauna. In Slavic mythology, every banya is inhabited by the Slavic bathhouse spirit, Banik. B-A-N-N-I-K. He reminds me of your little Icelandic troll guys there. The U-Lads? You your U-Lads. You he reminds me of your U-Lads. You He's described as a wizened little naked man with wild white hair and a long straggly beard, long nails and hairy hands. He lives behind the stove in the sauna and his temperament is supposed to be very capricious. Oh, <laughs> he likes spying on bathers, particularly undressed women.
1: Oh, I was just going to say he sounds like he's fun. <laughs> but take that back. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. So this is just we're going to we're going to circle back to Vladimir in his banya. But this is like the lore and history surrounding the banya. Many accounts also claim that he is a shapeshifter. So this is Bannock, the bathhouse spirit. He's a shapeshifter and can appear as a local person to someone who stumbles across him or even as a stone or a coal in the oven heating the bathhouse. The third firing or fourth, depending on tradition, was reserved for the Bannock. So the third time you fire up the the banya is reserved for the Bannock. And given his inclination to invite demons and forest spirits to share his bath, no Christian images were allowed, lest they offend the occupants. If disturbed by an intruder while washing, the bannock might pour boiling water over him or even strangle him. So, you don't want to disturb the bannock while the bannock is in the banya. (laughs) Okay. There were several rituals performed in order to keep the bannock happy and peaceful. The most common occurred. During the steaming firing that was reserved for the spirit itself, or upon the quitting of the banya for the night, offerings of four branches, water, and soap were left, tapped by a formal thank you uttered aloud. Thank you, Bannock, for the banya. <laughs> the Bannock was often blamed for anything that went wrong within the bathhouse. So we're going to get to some murder, murder. And all I got to say is, It was the Bannock. The Bannock was often blamed for anything that went wrong within the bathhouse. So if the structure burned down, which they often did, it was believed that the spirit had been affronted in some way. In order to appease the Bannock upon rebuilding of a Banya, a black hen would be suffocated, left unplucked, and buried beneath the building's threshold. (laughs) Okay. So in order to appease the the spirit of the sauna, you suffocate a black hen.
1: Don't they know that we are currently going through a bird flu and eggs are expensive?
0: (laughs) Yeah. So I don't know. Are black hens egg layers? If so, please do not sacrifice it to the bannock because the egg prices are outrageous. Outrageous. Okay, so the people performing this ritual would end it by bowing and backing away from the threshold while reciting appropriate incantations. So you start chanting. Not scary at all. The banya was considered unclean or a place of possible spiritual danger. Despite this, most births occurred inside the banya. <laughs> And it was believed that the Bannock was not truly happy or settled unless a child was born within his domain. The Bannock had the ability to predict the future. One consulted him by standing with one's back exposed in the half-open door of the bath. The Bannock would gently stroke one's back if all boded well, but if trouble lay ahead, he would strike with his claws. Interesting. We won't even get into any other culture's versions of banyas because I started reading about Roman bathhouses. And honestly, that's a whole other episode. (laughs) Okay. So we're going back to Vladimir. Okay. He's in his banya with his wife. Masked men enter and tie them up and demand money. Oh, no. Right there. He must be thinking he somehow pissed off the bannock. The wife apparently manages to get free. She escapes through a window and calls police from the neighbor's house. Police arrive and find the man deceased by a crossbow. He was shot with a crossbow. The robbers escaped in the victim's car. A suspect was eventually taken into custody. While they go to do a search of a home associated with the suspect, oh, I don't know, they find a random elderly man in there handcuffed to a bed. Who was being extorted to sign over the lease on his apartment to these criminal murderers? What? <laughs> what the fuck? You're the police, you're following a lead. You have a suspect in this murder. This guy was just shot with a crossbow in his banya. And you get to the suspect's house, and the only thing you find there is an elderly man tied up to the bed being extorted for the lease on his apartment. <laughs>
1: That's what I'd be like, I think I'm done, working.
0: <laughs> it's time to go home. I think I quit, yeah. Oh, and by the way, Vladimir's son died in a motorcycle accident the year before. And to me, it just, it all stinks, all of it. I don't know what happened to the rest of the people involved, but his accused killer was being detained, right? He escapes from a pretrial detention center, according to the Moscow Times, he was recaptured after he showed up on the city's facial recognition surveillance cameras. Like, he escaped from prison. This guy escaped from prison after he yeah. got caught. And they caught him, like, you know, did you ever watch that show Person of Interest?
1: Yes. Where
0: yeah, Where they would just do everything with the surveillance cameras. Yeah. They did facial recognition off the surveillance cameras and found him and caught him. Recaptured him. Oh, shit. Oh, and vladimir's wife she was actually his quote civil partner former mistress and company board member before he was killed he went through a public messy divorce with his ex-wife and the killer happens to be a close acquaintance of hers stop ah. stop you cannot make this stuff up you this is a movie that's a movie I just explained to you the plot yeah. of the movie. It's not, but it is. Right? No, that is a movie. Crazy, right? So I don't even know where to go from here. That's that's all I got. Mic drop. That's the end. We're done. We're going into mental health segment. Oh shit! It was a wild ride of sausage, sausage king.
1: Who would have thought how many sausage kings there are? And it's like a. So many. I think like every sausage person considers themselves the king.
0: (laughs) The downfall is calling yourself the king. Yeah. You can't call yourself the sausage king. It needs to not be your AOL screen name. That was the first guy. Was it? Yeah.
1: Oh, I didn't notice that. No, I didn't see that. My guy. He
0: called his friend from prison on a recorded line after he got arrested and said, I need you to clear my America online account. (laughs) Can't make it up. You cannot make it up. I mean, if you ever encounter anybody in the sausage business, just run.
1: Don't swipe right on them. No, swipe left.
0: But my my mother in law did just purchase a sauna, so I'm <laughs> I'm very intrigued. I'll have to ask her if she has done a sacrifice to the bannock yet.
1: <laughs> I love that. I love like mythical creatures and stories. So I'm into it. So we're going to have to check it out.
0: I just can't believe it's, like, people believe that shit enough to, like, go fucking kill a hen. It's mm-hmm. crazy. It's all fun and games until you're burying a hen under there.
1: It, I feel like it doesn't take much for people to believe in something. Like, like look at, like, religion. Cults. There's so many different cults. So it's, like, it doesn't take much, I feel, to make you believe in something. <laughs> I guess you don't need that much evidence to prove that this part, that this creature is real, right?
0: You need no evidence <laughs> at all because there's no evidence. Yeah. Oh,
1: like people believe in aliens when it actually hasn't been like.
0: Oh, I'm I well, believe in aliens, so
1: I do. Too. <laughs> <laughs> I believe in aliens. I believe in Bigfoot. I believe in all <laughs> the Bridgewater Triangle. There's a lot of shit in there. I believe in all.
0: I just read something, like, this week that, like, I didn't click on it. I only saw the headline, so I'll confess. But it said something like, scientists discover a second Earth. Like, it was, like, another.
1: Oh, yes. I saw that something, too. But I didn't click on it either.
0: Like, it was some other, like, habitable or potentially habitable planet or something. I don't know. The fact that in all the freaking galaxies and universes and whatever that we think we're the only fucking dot in the sky that has life on it like that's kind of crazy right
1: yeah but like, so then why why do we believe in it though like what evidence do we have that we believe in that so like that's what i'm saying like it doesn't take people it doesn't take people to not believe in
0: these like mythical creatures (sighs) i'm not living my life dictated by I believe it's in right. aliens.
1: <laughs> right. True. That's the difference. You're not like going through your day thinking about aliens and right. praying to the gods or whatnot.
0: <laughs> right. It's one of those situations where I don't have enough information either way to definitively say yeah. whether there's aliens or not. Like it's just. Right, right. What's that term? Agnostic? Is that the term like when used for like religion? When you basically say, like an atheist, I think is like, they don't, they don't believe, but agnostic is like, I don't have enough information to say. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's like, I think I'm agnostic, but that's, that's a whole other episode. (laughs) (sighs) It's called mental health. We're going to get into our, it's called mental health segment. And today, because we were talking about murdery things with these three topics, if this type of content, and not that we did anything in any type of creepy way, like we kind of just gave high level stories, but if this type of content gives you anxiety consuming content about Death or murder or anything to the true crime, basically. If that gives you anxiety, then don't consume it. Stop consuming it. Mm -hmm. For me, the most recent example is the Moscow, Idaho college student stabbings, where the four college students were stabbed. In that case, is national national headline, where they were looking for the suspect for like. Almost a month and a half or more and then they finally had a suspect made an arrest and all of that but the amount of content that has been thrust upon me on any type of like social media but like obviously I was drawn to the case as many people were initially but then the social media algorithms like you can't watch one video without them feeding you 10 more just like it and of course they all have these like flashy headlines to pull you in and you had to know more and it was just this big unknown especially when there was no suspect in the case and it was such an intriguing case because it was so horrifying it's just keeps sucking you in and pulling you in and then you just find yourself not sleeping at night because you're just thinking about this information that is literally being fed to you. It's like the last thing I see before bed is like, I'm just trying to like scroll my phone to just, you know, relax. And I'm just consuming this type of content, like nonstop. And I just, it's like, I can't get it out of my phone. I can't get it out of my face. I wanted to stop consuming it. And I found it hard to stop consuming it because it was being thrust upon me.
1: I'm pretty sure I texted you at one point, I think early into it. And I was like, It was, like, the next day, and I'm like, "Mel, like, I didn't fucking sleep. I was, like, I had nightmares. I was all night thinking about it because I was in the same boat as you. I was just constantly reading everything. I was on Reddit, reading the people's comments and people thinking who did it. They, you know, oh, the neighbor from across the street, it seems suspicious, just all this shit. It's, like, which you shouldn't be naming people because you're ruining people's lives. But anyway, it was another... That's another story, but um I remember texting you and you were like, Yeah, I haven't been sleeping for a few days now because of this. And it just it really was frightening. Like we were like scared, like even though we're not anywhere close to it, it was just still so scary to see like these like four young college kids got murdered and like they had no idea who it was. Obviously little did we know that they had DNA because they weren't they were kind of keeping keeping it quiet, close to the chest. They don't want all the evidence coming out but like a month and a half almost where like they don't know who it is. Like they
0: had no idea. Every time one of those videos pops up, I open up the comments and there's half the comments are people like us in the comments, just being like, I can't sleep at night because of this case. The mental health tip is to just try to not, you have to not engage with it because if it's giving you anxiety, you just cannot continue to consume it. I need to follow this tip myself because I don't know how many times I told you, I was like, I can't read this anymore. I can't read this stuff anymore. And then like the next day, it would be in my face and I'd have to read it again. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't keep doing this.
1: Yeah, I know what you did. And I know I read it too. I read it on the plane going on a trip. It was like 19 page affidavit. Why are we reading a 19 page affidavit? We read the whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure thousands of other people did. Millions of other people did.
0: Right. The affidavit creeped me out because it was all kinds of detail in there that was horrifying that I didn't know prior to the affidavit coming out. And like the trial is going to be even worse when that happens. I think it got pushed. I don't know if it's not going to happen for like at least six months or something, but yeah, I can't consume myself. I cannot watch the trial. I can't be part of that. When I consume other content, when I'm like reading about Disney World before bed. I don't have that kind of anxiety. Like, I sleep like a baby. And then it's a direct correlation to consuming that content, especially right yeah. before bed.
1: So, don't they say that you should stay off your phone like an hour, two hours before you going to bed? I mean,
0: that's not realistic.
1: I'm <laughs> <laughs> like, I fall asleep with my phone on the side of me, but they say like to try to two hours before or something to not be on your phone. I love horror movies. I know you love horror movies too. I know if I watch them super, super late, I'm not going to be able to sleep. Even though I'm not like the horror movies don't scare me because like, we've seen them all, right? They don't really scare me. It's just the fact that I just watched like, something so gruesome and I'm going to go to bed now.
0: <laughs> I don't do them anymore. I used to. We had our moment, but I don't do them anymore for that reason. Like, yeah. I just, it's not worth it. Want you on that. There's not the kind of <laughs> vibes I'm trying to attract into my life.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yep. But the true crime stuff is. It's unavoidable. Like, It's not like I'm going to select a movie and hit play. Like, okay, I'm going to watch this show. It's just it's in your face with news and headlines and just like people talking about it on social media. It's just you can't escape it almost. But you have to try. Well, that's all we've got for today.
1: Thanks, guys, for coming back and listening. As always, we appreciate it. Let your friends and family know about our podcast. So we can get some more listeners and leave us a review.